Now, let's go, we're going to get into the message. If you have your, uh, your, your cell phone or your tablet, do me a favor. Open it up and do two, <clears throat> two things for me. Number one, check in. Check in on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. Let people know where you are this morning and that you're really excited to be here and that you wish they were here uh, with you. Let people know that. Secondly, would you then open up the uh, Clear River uh, wind, uh, Clear River uh, web-based application. Now that application, uh, crcc.info, if you haven't saved it, if you're, this is your first time, just put in crcc.info and that will bring up our home page. So, so it'll look like this. Oh, and by the way, we did something really good. You, you know how it's, a, it's been a swipe thing? We've now made it vertical, and that's much easier uh, for people to do. So as you go down, you're going to go, uh, you're going to scroll down, and as you scroll down, you're going to see Sunday, September 15th. Click on Sunday, September the 15th, and when you do that, it's going to take you to a little page that you can swipe down, and as you swipe down, you'll see a list of the songs that we're singing today, and there's links to those songs to tell you how to uh, listen to those if you want to. And then you're going to see message notes, 9-15-2019. You can open that up and follow along in <clears throat> today's message. So, you know, and I know, that I am notorious for reviewing ad nauseum, all right? And you know one of my favorite verses is when Paul says to write the same things or to say the same things to you again is no trouble to me, all right? Because he knew, he knew and I know, that those things, you know, they don't, they don't land, all right? We hear them, but they don't land. And we need God's Word to land today, don't we? Our fighter verse this morning is from James chapter uh, 1, verses, uh, I think it's 23, 24, 24 and something, where James says these words, and you know them well. He says, he says that we are to be doers of the word. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. He says that a person that is a hearer and not a doer is like a person who looks in a mirror intently and the assumption from the looking, although James doesn't say it, is that there's something wrong with your face, all right? All right you had, something's out of place, your hair's not combed, you got something in your teeth, you, whatever, you haven't shaved. And it's, it's like a man who looks intently in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. He doesn't do anything. He looks and he goes, oh, man, I need help today. And then you walk off and you don't, you don't do anything with it. Let me tell you something. Many, 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 many believers live lives of frustration or spiritual depression or a sense of purposelessness or unfulfillment. Why? Because there is a disassociation between what we say we believe and what we do in our lives. And James is saying, look, this is so important. There's got to be congruency. It doesn't matter what you say if in your life there's no application of that to your own life, if there's no reality there. And so this, these weeks, as we're getting ready to launch Pray and Go and to begin praying for our neighborhoods and our communities, this whole effort is really rooted in this idea of doing something with what we say we believe. One of the things that we've always said at Clear River is that things happen when we pray that would not have happened had what? Had we not prayed. 
We've always said that prayer makes a difference. Well, it's good to say that prayer makes a difference. It's good for us to say to each other, hey, you know what? Prayer really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yes, it really, really does. But then if we go about our week and there's no prayer or there's just, you know, those kind of like emergency prayers when we're in trouble type thing, that's it, then we're really not being congruent, are we? There's not, we're, not, we're not matching what we say with what we do. And so pray and go, this initiative, and if you don't know what pray and go is, go to the podcast, listen to the last couple of weeks, get caught up. Pray and go is an initiative we're launching where we're going to be in our communities praying for our neighbors, families, friends, co-workers, etc. Just praying, just asking God to do something tremendous because only God can do it and we need him to do it. We've been talking about the wonderful words in, Psal- in the Psalms. We, they, it was in our um, call to worship today when God says to the son, when the Father says to the Son, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Well, that's messianic. God the Father talking to Jesus Christ. He says, Ask of me, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. I believe that Jesus said, Yes, I want every single one of them and name them by name. Those that existed and those that he knew would exist. And said, I want all of the nations. And Revelation tells us that at the end of time, there's going to be people from what? Every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne of God. And so we want to be people who are taking seriously the idea that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. If the nations belong to Jesus, the nations belong to us. If the world belongs to Jesus, the world belongs to his people. If the United States belongs to Jesus, then it belongs to us, to God's people. If Virginia belongs to Jesus, it belongs to us. Now again, not in a prideful way, not in a domineering way. I don't subscribe to any kind of dominion, you know, we're, the Christians are going to take over everything theology. That's, I don't think you can support that from the Scriptures. But what you can support from the Scriptures is this, is that while we are here, While I am living, where I live in Manassas, Virginia, that area is part of my inheritance. Those neighbors across the street from me on either side of me, that's part of my inheritance. That Starbucks that I go to every day almost, that's part of my inheritance, and I hope it will be forever and ever, right? That's part of my inheritance, right? But I go there, and the people that I see day in and day out, this is part of the inheritance that belongs to Jesus Christ. And while you and I are here, we are responsible wherever we are to take seriously that we're co-heirs with Christ and we are to be reaching out and transforming the area through prayer, through sharing the gospel, through loving others, through good works, etc. What does it say in Hebrews? Do not neglect to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. What did Jesus say? You are the salt of the earth. Salt's a preservative. It fights decay. It fights rot. And while we are in the world, we should be fighting every kind of rot that there is. We should be fighting rot in our school systems. We should be fighting rot in our government. We should be fighting rot in our court systems. We should be fighting rot in our environment. We should be caring about this world and every part of it because Jesus owns it all and he has stationed us here as his ambassadors to be salt, to be light, and to be those who bring the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone who can, right? So, 
Nothing advances without what? Some of you have been listening. Good. Nothing advances without prayer. That is the starting point. And so we've been talking about this idea of pray and go, and what does it mean to um, uh, engage in prayer. So let me go. Here's part three. Now, again, I'm going I'm to resist the urge. I already did it a little bit. Key idea one, we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Key idea two, our definition of spiritual warfare cannot be limited to personal trials and sin battles. <clears throat> You've got to have a bigger vision than that. It's about the lives of people. It's about the gospel going to every nation. And then nothing advances without prayer. So we said last week, what does the scripture in Colossians tell us? Continue steadfastly. A gritty determination to not give up until God's response comes. And then B, be watchful. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching Watching, what's a word of alertness? It's awareness, all right? And then with thanksgiving, we are to be Christians are to be people whose prayers are soaked with thanksgiving. And then Paul says, at the same time, and we're going to pick it up here, at the same time, pray also for us. Now I mentioned last week, when he says, pray also for us, he's going to say several things. Pray for open doors. Uh, pray that we will have uh, the ability to, to declare the gospel clearly. Pray that we will, um, uh, that you pray for us because we're ambassadors in chains right now. He's, he's saying pray these things, but he's not saying, he's not saying you all pray for Aunt Betty's toe to get better and then pray for us, the apostles, who are out here doing the heavy lifting. That is not what the church is to be about. I care about your aunt's toe. Yes, okay, and if we need to say a prayer for your aunt's toe, I don't know who, who has an aunt with a toe problem, but uh, we'd be happy to pray for your aunt. But let me tell you something. If that's where we, if that's the level that we're at, we are missing it. We are missing what we are to be about. We are missing that sense of inheritance. And so, when we look at Paul's prayer here, and he says, pray for us also. He's not saying, pray this for those of us who are out here doing the heavy lifting. He's saying, as you're praying, here are some things to include in your praying. And we know from places in, elsewhere in Scripture that these very same things are things we can apply to our own lives. So we're to be praying, not just for big shots to have open doors. We're to be praying for open doors. We're to be praying that we can declare clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be praying for those things for our own selves. So, let's go then to this one, open doors. He says, pray that we would see an open door. What is an open door? When the Bible talks about praying for open doors, is it is it praying that, um, uh, that there's some literal door somewhere uh, that they can find that will be open? No, it's, it's a metaphor. Right, John? Yeah. It's a metaphor. Good. And he says, he says it's a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor. And he's saying, pray for an open door. What is an open door? Open doors are opportunities. Open doors are opportunities. When do we have an opportunity? When God opens the door. 
We're out here as ambassadors. We're out here to serve the Lord Jesus, and we're always doing good, always loving others, always seeking to serve, always seeking to transform the places around us. But what we're always praying for is this, that in the middle of all that, God, provide an open door. An open door is an opportunity to share Christ with someone else. It's an opportunity to share Christ with someone else. Else. Why do we need that? Why do we need to pray for God to open a door? Don't we just have invitation anytime and anywhere? Now, back up a little bit. Why do we need God to open the door? Look at Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 with me. Paul says this. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Note these words. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, Paul was writing to a church in Ephesus that was in a culture in which the lifestyle of those that were Jews and those were Gentiles were very, very different. But you could say the same thing exists today in the lives of those who are truly followers of Jesus Christ and the lifestyle of people of those around them. And Paul is saying that in this climate that we're in, what we're dealing with are people who are that this is their experience. This is their reality. He says that they are reliant. They are walking in the futility of their minds. They have a reliance on their own worldview. Their worldview is the right view. That, that's called pride. Their way is the right way, and everybody else's way is the wrong way. What's one of the big truths? <laughs> that's really the wrong word to say. What's one of the big ideas that are out there today, popularized by the big O. You need to speak your what? Your truth. You need to speak your truth. I asked a person the other day, is there anything, such thing as absolute truth? Their answer was no. There's not anything, such thing as absolute truth. There's only your truth and my truth. There's your perception of what's true, and there's my perception of what's true. And then I said to that person, are you absolutely sure? Is that absolutely true? <laughs> it is pride that leads this world into a place where they are reliant totally on their own worldview, and that view is becoming more narrow by the day into what they believe. Secondly, they're darkened in their thinking. Darkness speaks of death. It's, a, it's another word for spiritual death. Ephesians 2, what did Paul say about us when we were apart from Christ? He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was spiritual death. Before I met Christ, I was spiritually dead. I was mentally alive. I was physically alive, but I was spiritually dead. Thanks be to God, he made me alive through Jesus Christ. But that is spiritual death going on in people's lives. And then he says that they are ignorant. There's ignorance in them. That is unbelief. 
They don't believe. They don't understand. They cannot understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. They cannot understand the glory of that message and the power of that message. And so there's not only pride, there's not only spiritual death, there's just unbelief and ignorance. And then he talks about their hard hearts, the hardness of their hearts. Because all of that other stuff leads to what? It leads to rebellion against God, against God's authority. What's the primary reason? In fact, I heard a famous uh, astronomer say this in an interview the other day, and he's not a follower of Jesus Christ, but he said these words. He said, look, he said, the truth of the matter is, the evolutionist and, and, and the astronomer don't want to acknowledge God, can't acknowledge God, because then it admits that there's an authority in their lives besides themselves. You see? The minute that you acknowledge God and that you're a created being, you acknowledge that you are in some way owing your existence to Him. And so there's rebellion. I don't want to acknowledge God. I don't want to have God be a part of my life. And so there's rebellion. And what does that lead to? It leads to a seared conscience. Because the law of God is written in our hearts. And the more we rebel against God, the more we persist in our ignorance, the more we persist in our unbelief, as we do that and as we begin to give ourselves to those things that we think will bring us pleasure and happiness, we become enslaved to those things and our conscience, which convicts us, gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And only a resurrecting work of Jesus Christ can change that situation. Look in Ephesians 2. Just mentioned this a minute ago. Verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Do you see all that? What we just talked about, right? Among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were deserving of nothing, nothing of grace, nothing of the goodness of God, nothing of the love of God, only the judgment of God like the rest of mankind. And we've been asking the question for weeks now, what about the rest? Because the good news in Ephesians chapter 2 is that God can change a life. No matter how dark, no matter how rebellious, no matter how seared the conscious, no matter how ignorant, no matter how deep the unbelief, no matter how much they bought into some other system of thinking, some other worldview, God can penetrate that darkness. He can break chains and set people free to know Him. And so, this in Ephesians, he's saying this, and that's why verse 4 is such a powerful verse. But God... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Don't miss this. Why do we need an open door? Why do we need an open door? What does he say there? He says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together 
with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And look at this. For by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Your faith? Nope. You didn't have any. You were dead. And that not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God. Not of works. Can't earn your way to heaven. Can't earn your way into God's grace. Can't earn forgiveness of sins. God has done everything necessary for us to enjoy relationship with Him, have purpose in Him, have eternal life in Him. He's done it all through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's done it all. There was a day when I was dead. There was a day when I was full of pride. I was full of ignorance. I was full of unbelief. I was rebellious. I had hardness of heart. Ask my mother. She'll tell you. I had hardness of heart. I was a sinner and I was dead. But God, but God, but God, even when I was dead, there was a day when somebody came and talked to me about Jesus Christ. And do you know, that's right, Dad. And do you know, and do you know what they had? And you know what they had on that day, that person? They had an open door. They had an open door. Why was the door open? Because they were just a nice person? Because they just were persuasive? Because they just had some nice things to say I'd never thought about? Did they all of a sudden say something? To, oh, I'd never thought about it that way. Yes, I'll repent and follow Christ right now. Did they, did that, did that? No, no, no. They had an open door. They were obedient. They shared Christ with me. And in that moment, what happened in that open door moment? God, by His grace, gave life to me. Now, whether or not you're an Arminian, Calvinist, I don't care how you get there. You don't get there without God doing something. God dropped a gift of faith into me. He brought me to a moment of clarity. A moment when everything else that was so prominent in my life just faded back into the background and the truth of his love became crystal clear in front of me and I could not say no. I was dead, but God. Thank God that he opened the door of my heart to hear him. And thank God that someone was obedient to speak into my life when the open door was available. Are you following what we're, where we're going here? you understand what we're saying? So, so, he says, by grace you've been saved through faith. That's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast. I can't boast. You can't boast. I, you, want, you, want, you, want, you, want say, you want to say, show me your score sheet? No, take a look. It's a big fat F. Oh, but Jeff, you're a pastor and you've been a pretty good husband. You've been a, you know, you're a loving dad and you're a loving grandfather and you do all, you do this and you do that. Yeah, I understand. And so if you want to compare me to you, 
Maybe I get a C. If you want to compare yourselves to each other, maybe you get a C. Maybe you get a D. <laughs> I don't know. But see, that's not, how, that's not what God compares us to. God compares us to himself. He compares us to his holiness. He compares us to an A++++, a four-point gazillion that we could never, ever reach. There's nothing to boast about here. What does the Bible say? My righteousness is as filthy rags. Does that, mean that, does that mean that my good works aren't valuable? Of course they're valuable. Does that mean that the good things we do for each other are not important? Of course they're important. Don't, don't misunderstand. People will say, well, you know, you, you guys talk about the, you know, the word that gets thrown around in some circles is, is total depravity, right? You believe in total depravity. Total, if you ever heard the words total depravity, let me tell you what that, word, that never means. It never means that we're all as bad as we could be. It never means everybody is just as bad as they can be. It just means we all have the potential to be as bad as we could be. And you have seen some people take advantage of that potential in their lives. Couldn't we look at certain dictators and certain tyrants? Couldn't we look at certain uh, serial killers and child molesters and, and people who's, who have explored how bad they can be? Of course. Thank God that he has graced your life in such a way that you maybe never became as bad as you could be. But trust me, when it comes to deserving anything of God's favor and grace, the very, very best of my days would never gain me heaven. That's why one of my favorite quotes is that quote from John Bunyan when he said, there's enough sin in one of my prayers to send me straight to hell. Well, what, what, what's he saying? He's saying there's enough self-interest, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-concern, lack of a desire to glorify God, lack of a desire to live fully for his glory, blah, 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 blah. Even, even in my praying, even in my best efforts, it just wouldn't ever merit anything in dealing with a holy, pure God that dwells, as the Bible says, in unapproachable light. You couldn't do it. And so it is by grace that we're saved, not of works. We cannot boast. Now, that is why we need God to open the door. That's why when Paul says, pray for us, that God will open doors, he's saying, pray for us that God will open opportunities, take us to the people, take us to that opportunity where we can share the gospel, and it will enter the ears of those who are ready to hear it. And so we need God to open a door. God acts through his own grace. To bring freedom and clarity. You cannot do it. You can't set anybody free. You ultimately cannot bring crystal clear clarity to anybody spiritually. It will take a work of God. You can be the best apologist in the whole wide world. How many any of you guys listen to William Craig or Lane Craig, whatever his name, brilliant apologists. There's a number of them out there. I, I, I enjoy listening to them. They can give, they can give anybody tremendous 
philosophical and logical arguments for why they should believe in God and why they should believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But i got to tell you something. It doesn't matter how logical, how clear, how pure, how powerful your argument is. If God isn't opening the door at that moment, it's not going to do anything other than perhaps just kind of till the ground a little bit, a little more seed in the ground. But it's going to take God to open the door. Now, God acts through his own grace to bring freedom and clarity. God uses you in prayer. This is what he's saying in this passage. This is why we're going to go out and pray in our neighborhoods. Why? Because nothing advances without what? Without prayer. We've got to be praying. God uses you as the ambassador of his good news. Now let me show you one more scripture. We're going to wrap up here in just a little bit. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26, Paul's talking to Timothy. He's a young pastor, and he's talking to him about how to relate to people who don't know Christ or who are resistant to Christ. Now, this advice applies not just to Timothy. It applies to all of us as well. And he talks about how the servant of God needs to be somebody who can, who can share, who can speak God's word. And then verse 25, correcting his opponents. Here's the apologetic. Here's the apologist part of this correcting his opponents with gentleness, God, watch, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So here you are, you're an ambassador, you're praying, God, open the door, open the door. And all of a sudden, you're in a situation with a friend or with a relative or somebody, and the conversation all of a sudden has turned towards spiritual things or personal things, and you've started to talk a little bit about your faith. And all of a sudden, someone that's been resistant, someone that's been eh, indifferent to what you're saying, is asking you another question. They're pausing a little bit to listen to your answers longer. What's happening? God is at work. He is granting them a moment. He's granting them a lifeline, a moment of clarity, a moment of faith, a moment to hear that truth. It says, he says that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may, and what is this? This is everything that we just talked about is the problem that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Why do we need to pray for open doors? We need to be praying for open doors and pray that we're ready to walk through them when God provides them. That coworker who lingers just a little bit longer over something you said, that family member who asks you to talk about a situation in the family or a problem in a family. That neighbor that you're <clears throat> walking outside on, on pray and go, and they happen to see you outside, and they say, what are you doing? And you say, oh, we're just, we're just walking the neighborhood. We're just praying for our neighbor, our neighbors. We care about our communities, and so we're just walking, praying for our community. Hey, here's a little, little card with some information just to tell you what we're doing and, uh, and why we're why we're doing it. Is there anything we could pray for you uh, for? No. And don't give me your card and don't come on my property and I think you're all crazy. That's not an open door. 
Follow me? <laughs> that's, that's not an open door. And then that person says, oh, that's, interesting. That's, that's, that's cool. Anything that you'd like? Well, yeah. I, you know, I, we have a grown son, and he's facing blah, 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 and da, 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 da. And yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love it if you'd remember him. Sure. Can we pray for him right now? Right now? Yeah, right now. No. Pray for him right now? What do you think I am, some kind of religious fanatic? Not an open door. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Let's pray. You pray. And so you pray, Lord, and you ask God to meet that need, and you ask God to touch that person's heart, and you ask God to give them an answer to prayer. And, and when you're done praying, you say, gee, we'd love to talk to you some more about this sometime if you'd, if you'd like to. No, I don't want to talk to you some more about this. Thanks for praying. Now get off my lawn. Not an open door. <laughs> it's just been pushed open a little further each time. But when that door opens and they say, yeah, I'd be great. Why don't you guys come over and have coffee? I'd love to hear about your church, whatever. Open door! <laughs> now, when we get an open door, got to be ready. We pray for the open doors, and then we're ready. And that's, we're going to get into that next week when we come to declaring and counting the cost and practicing clarity. But let me just finish with this little illustration I think is so helpful. Because it, when we're praying... When we're praying, we're doing something. Prayer, things happen when we pray. Would not have happened had we not prayed. There are spiritual realities that we have to contend with. You understand that the devil comes to do what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. What does he want to steal? Our inheritance. What does he want to destroy? Our inheritance. Our family, our friends, our children. Our communities, our neighbors. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal all that. And he wants to steal our opportunities to share by convincing us that we should be lethargic about it. We are out praying because there is spiritual work that has to be done in order for doors to be opened. God sends us out to pray, to do some hard, heavy lifting spiritually as we invite the Holy Spirit into our communities. Let me just share this with you. There was a, a missionary couple that was, they were serving among an unreached people group in East Asia. And this was their report at one point to uh, some of their folks. They said, we would, we would like to see a spiritual harvest, but we are seeing none. We would like to say that we are busy watering seed that has been planted, but neither are we doing that. We'd like to tell you that we are faithfully planting seed for a future harvest, but this has not yet been our ministry. We wish we could share with you that we spend our time breaking up the soil for the planting of seeds. Not so. Quite honestly, Ours is a ministry of rock moving. Rock moving. What did they mean by that? They meant that there were obstacles. There was spiritual deadness, spiritual oppression. There was the enemy at work. What did the Bible say in Ephesians 2? It said that we were dead 
and we were among those who walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. What did Paul say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and world rulers of this present darkness. Folks, there are rocks in the way out there. There are rocks of of addiction, rocks of unbelief, rocks of depression, rocks of family strife, rocks of, of, of domestic violence, rocks of sexual molestation, rocks of greed, rocks of, of hardness of heart. There is, the, these things are sitting on people. Not just, it's not just them. But there is spiritual forces at work all around us. And part of the rock moving is being wise, walking through our neighborhood saying, Lord, set people free. God, we stand against the work of the enemy in our neighborhood. We stand against his attempts to destroy people. We say to the enemy, you cannot kill our inheritance. You cannot destroy our inheritance. You cannot steal our inheritance. We are standing against domestic abuse and violence in Jesus' name. We are countering that. And some of you, as you're praying, because you know some of the people that are in that house, and you know what you need to be praying for. Because if that rock doesn't get moved, it's just going to sit on him. And there is a very real sense in which we have to do that heavy lifting. Rock moving is the job of intercessors. A prayer journey allows you the privilege of walking and praying among the rocks. And so we walk a neighborhood praying. Not just that God would open hearts but that God would be a champion in that neighborhood, that he would do his work and bring to naught the work of the enemy, that the way would be cleared out, that every valley would be raised up and every mountain be brought low, that we would prepare the way of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? That we would prepare the way of the Lord. How do we prepare the way of the Lord? How do we prepare the terrain for then the doors to begin to open by getting out there and moving the rocks by intercession and prayer? That's what we'll be doing. Be watching the Pray and Go website. Be watching for information. I'll be putting out video. We'll be putting out instruction. We're launching the first Sunday in October. Tell you all about it. I'm so thrilled about this. God is going to make us a rock-moving, stone-shattering, ambassador, joyful ambassador group of people that are going to be seeing God do wonderful things. Anybody excited about that besides me? I am. I really am. And I believe it's going to be good. I believe it's going to be good.